is the Mayfair Witchcast, where I tell my favorite person, me, Tim, my favorite story. So listen along every week as I break down this story chapter by chapter with that insight, me. Warning, we are not professionals. This story contains many triggers. We talk about them as gently as we can. But I'm just a girl telling her husband an amazing story of a family of witches, ghosts, ancient orders, lust, and love. So join us for a read-along in discussion of the lives of the Mayfair witches. Hello again, dear. Hi. Hello, listeners. Welcome back again to the Mayfair Witchcast. For you, it's maybe been a week. For us, it has been mere moments. <laughs> mere moments. We're moving right along to chapter 41. Out of how many? 41 out of 53. Wait, hold on, while we're at it, let's get the page numbers we have left. Okay, so we are on page 849 of 965. I just went to the back of this book, and the last page is about the author. And it's literally one sentence. (laughs) Anne Rice was born in New Orleans, where she now lives with her husband, the poet Stan Rice, and their son, Christopher. That's it, huh? I feel like there could be so much more in there. I guess it gets the point across, but like... (laughs) I'm disappointed in that. She wrote it. That's all she wanted to put in She didn't write the about the author. Somebody else writes that. An editor, a publisher, I don't know who writes that. Tim, Google. Right away. The author. The author writes it? Thanks. Well, that makes sense. If you asked me to write about me, I'd be like, I am me. <laughs> <laughs> like, mine would be even shorter. So, I am me. I live in a place. I wrote a thing. Thank you. Anyways. Chapter 41, but first, what do you remember from the previous chapter that we did moments ago? (laughs) Oh shit, I actually remember. Wedding party. Uh Uh-huh. And ends with Flasher. Uh-huh. They got married. Yeah. She she saw him for real. Him. Him. I guess that's pretty much it. She was scared out of her. Yeah. Very scared. Yeah. It frightened her, even though she was talking a lot of shit, she was scared. Chapter 41 begins, she woke before he did. After the first round of nausea, she packed the suitcase quickly with all the pre-folded bundles of clothes. Who pre-folded her clothes? Did she? When? Did servants do this shit? Maybe. So everything's like quiet, the sun is shining, it's all clean. She goes downstairs, she examines the counter and the floor. She can detect nothing. She's filled with, like, revulsion and anger. She makes coffee as quickly as she can, and she's out of the room. Brings coffee upstairs to Michael, who's just waking up, of course. She's all, let's leave now. He's like, I thought we were leaving this afternoon, but yeah, okay. How do you feel? And she's like, I'm fine. 
it was like a little bad earlier, probably will come again, um, but I'd love to leave. We can get to Destin in time to walk on the beach in the sunshine. He's like, well, what about seeing a doctor before we leave? She's all, I am a doctor. <laughs> and remember, the special sense. It's doing just fine in there. He is immediately like, does it tell you if it's a boy or a girl? He says, does the special sense tell you if he's a boy or a girl? And she's like, if he is a boy or a girl? She's like, I wish, but nah. Maybe I want to be surprised. And he immediately jumps to, wouldn't it be wonderful if they were twins? More and more, Michael becomes the kind of guy I want to run away from. But, yeah. She's all like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> He's all like, you're happy, right? And she's like, yeah, of course. Just a little bit sick, and I don't want to tell anyone yet. Michael agrees. And he's like, it's going to be a while before you like can feel it in there, isn't it? And she explains that it's a quarter of an inch long. It doesn't even weigh an ounce. She says, but I can feel it. It's swimming in a state of bliss with all its tiny cells multiplying. I don't know if this is just like a thing, like a motherhood thing, or if it's like a sense thing. Unclear. And he asks, like, well, what does it look like now? <laughs> to which she explains that it's like a tiny sea being. And it could stretch out on your thumbnail. It has eyes, chubby little hands, but no fingers or arms. It has a brain there already. And for some reason, which nobody on earth can divine, all its tiny cells know what to do. They know exactly where to go to continue forming the organs, which are already there, and only have to perfect themselves. Its tiny heart has been beating inside me for over a month now. Over a month. That's not, that's four weeks. Michael's all, what are we going to name it? She suggests, what about little Chris? She's like, is that too hard for you? He's all, no, that's great. Little Chris. Little, and it'll be Christopher or Christine if it's a girl. And oh my God, how old will it be on Christmas? Like, that's immediately where Michael's mind goes. Mm -hmm. That part of Michael I like. As much as he, I hate him, I love him. He redeems himself with this silly little shit. Like, when's Christmas? And she's like, well, it's probably like six, seven weeks, maybe eight. Uh, yeah, no, it's eight. She's pretty sure when she thinks about it. Like, yeah, it's probably eight. It's probably the night I proposed to Michael. So, she's eight weeks pregnant. He goes into how it's the greatest Christmas gift ever. And how Christmas has always been so special to him. Almost in a pagan way. And how this is going to be the best Christmas that he's ever had. Oh, until next year when she's, this time he uses the she pronoun, is going to be walking around with her little fire engine and baseball hat. 
he looks so vulnerable and innocent to Rowan. And she's like, what even happened last night? She wants to forget everything. She slips away into the bathroom again. Where she whispers to Lasher. You devil, you've really timed it well, haven't you? Do you like m my hate? Is it what you've been dreaming of? Then she remembers the face in the kitchen, in the dark, and the soft, heartbroken voice, like fingers touching her. In that italics, it says, What is there in all the world for me but pleasing Rowan? And that's where there is a break in the chapter. So she remembers how Lasher said, what else is there to do except for to make you happy? Which I don't think we talked about last time. Well. He made it pretty clear that he was just there to be free. That's, that was his, that's what he said his agenda was. Like, oh yeah, the better to please you with, my dear. <laughs> like Little Red Riding Hood shit. Like, the better to see you with, my dear. Yeah. What is there in all the world for me but pleasing Rowan? Yeah, so that's the first part of chapter 41. Rowan's pregnant, probably eight weeks. You're about to leave for Florida. She's still freaked out. And we're going to take a break and we'll finish up the rest of this chapter when we get back. With more of chapter 41. So it picks up again with. They got away at about 10 o'clock. Michael drove. Remember. Rowan's the speed demon. Oh, Gets yeah. the shit out of everybody. And she felt better by that time. And managed to go to sleep for a couple hours. And when she opened her eyes. They're in Florida. She feels safe. As if the dark kitchen in New Orleans. And it's apparition. No longer existed. Then there's actually another little break in the chapter. Like, that's it. It's just one little paragraph. <laughs> so the next part picks up. The weather was cool. But no more so than any bracing summer day in Northern California. So they do shit like they stroll on the beach at sunset. And they have supper by the fire. And it's, she starts to work on her plans for... Mayfair Medical, she's studying the for-profit versus the non-for-profit, like, hospitals and the models of each of those, which interests her, you know. But her mind is wondering. She can't really concentrate. At least she makes a few notes, and then she goes to bed. She lies there for hours in the dark. Well, Michael is, like, working on restoration shit in the other room. She's listening to the golf roar with, through the open doors, feeling the breeze. She's all in her mind, like, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Should I tell Michael and Aaron? Like, she swore she would? No, because then Michael will retreat. And Lasher will retreat, and he'll play his little tricks, and the tension will increase. And then she thinks of her little baby again. 
She's like, yeah, it's probably conceived when, you know, she proposed and she's always been some language, some more language that I find weird. And I don't know if that's just because this is written in 1990 or what, but it says she'd always been highly irregular in her seasons. Her seasons? What? That's a term I've never heard. And she felt that she knew the very night it happened. She dreamed of a baby that night, but she couldn't really remember. So all in those couple sentences, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot there. First of all, there's that her, her seasons thing. I, I thought about this, like even in like all my, the grandmas I knew and all the very old women, when they would talk about it, they would talk about it as like your time. Or you're the, I, like a lot of other phrases, but I don't think I've ever heard seasons or her seasons as a time for menstruation at all. And I don't know why you would call it that. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. The second part of that is that she dreamed of a baby that night. But she can't really remember. Okay, so we know Rowan has the ability to manipulate cells. Mm -hmm. She made a baby. Could she make a baby? Could she manipulate cells to make a baby? Like, could she be <laughs> like, yes, I want to be pregnant? Or no, I don't want to be like, could she, could she go the other way and be like, no, I don't want to be pregnant. And don't, these cells don't make a baby. It doesn't happen. Oh, is that a power she has? This is also something I've never thought about until this read through. But anyway, she thinks about how is it dreaming the baby? She pictures it. It's tiny little circulatory system and its little brain. And it's not an embryo now. It's a fetus. She thinks about it super scientifically, you know. She's like listening to it, feeling it. It's all right. But her own strong telepathic senses began to frighten her. She's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, oh, that is fucked up. Like, yeah. Then she does that thing that every mom does, I think, where she's like, oh, my God, do I have the power to hurt this child? Everybody who... I think has a baby or a newborn in their possession is like, oh my god, I'm I'm gonna fuck this up. Oh my god, like that's a common thought. I feel like, but hers goes to another level where she's like, oh my god, can my power hurt this child? This is too terrifying for her to even bear. And then she's like, thinks of Lasher again, and he is also like too much. He's a threat to her and this baby. And more importantly, this baby is, she's this baby's entire world. So he can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, she's going to protect it with her own dark powers and dark history. Little Chris, she's like Val. So you will not grow up with curses and spirits and things that go bump in the night. And then she clears her mind of all the bullshit. She tries to, like, envision the sea outside. She's going to destroy Lasher. 
Seduce him? Yes. As he is trying to seduce you. Discover what he is and destroy him. You're the only one who can do it. Tell Michael or Aaron and he will retreat. You've got to deceive with a purpose and do it. And there's another break in the chapter. It picks up again with 4 a.m. She must have fallen asleep. The irresistible hunk of Michael is lying next to her. Big, heavy arm cradling her. His hands on her. You know, it's all. And she's like just waking up from a dream. Full misery. Dutchmen in their big black hats. The mob outside screaming for the blood of Jan Van Abel. And he's yelling, I am no heretic. How are we to learn if we do not throw out the dogmas of the Aristotle and Galen? But it's gone now. Along with the body on the table. So I don't call back to chapters ago where Rowan had that weird dream. Oh, the eye robber. So she's kind of having it again, but like a little bit further. She's seeing Peter Van Abel be persecuted for like doing this. It's real short, but, like, if you're picking up the threads, you know. But she wakes up. She hates the dream. She gets up. She goes out onto the deck of this house on the beach. And at first she's like, oh, yeah, moonlight and sand and beautiful. But far down on the beach stood a lone figure. A lean, tall man looking towards her. She thinks, like, damn you. She saw the figure slowly thin and then vanish. She like bows her head and she's trembling and she thinks to him, you'll come when I call you. And then she gets back. I love you, Rowan. But this is like an inside one. This is like a written in an italics one. It's not an out loud one. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I should make that clear to you. Like when it's out loud and when it's right. Does that? I guess. Doesn't really matter. It's still him. Yeah, but it's different. Like, he's stronger at times. I just want to make sure you're recognizing when I say that. Okay. Anyways. She's horrified. She realizes that this voice is coming from no direction. It's inside her. It's all around her. It's intimate. And it's audible only to her. Like I'm saying. Yeah. And he's like, I wait only for you, Rowan. And then she puts out there, leave me then. Don't speak another word or show yourself again, or I'll never call for you. So, she's angry and bitter. She goes back into bed, climbs back into bed with Michael. She, like, holds on to him. She wants him to wake up. She wants to tell him. But, no, she has to do this alone. She knows it. It's awful. Just give me these last days before the battle, she prayed. Ellie, Deirdre, help me. And then there's a break in the chapter. And I think that's where we should take another break for this very short episode we're making. <laughs> okay, and we're back again. The next part of this chapter. Starts. She was sick every morning for a week. 
Then the nausea left her, and the days after were glorious, as if mornings had been rediscovered, and being clear-headed was a gift from the gods. <laughs> he doesn't speak to her again or show himself. When she thinks of him, she just imagines ang- her anger. Like, mm. she pictures, like, his cells and, like, drying them up to destroy them. But most of all, when she thinks of him, she's fearful. She's scared. Meantime, life goes on because she keeps the secret deep inside. She's made an appointment with an obstetrician and she's had early blood work done right there in Destin. Everything's normal, as she expected. But who can expect them to understand that with her diagnostic sense? She would have known if the little Tucker was in trouble. That's what she calls him, the little Tucker. So warm days are going away. They got the beach like to themselves, pure silence. Dunes are magical. They spend hours on the beach. She's reading medical journals and various materials that Ryan sent out to her by messenger. Like someone actually has to deliver her paper copies of things. I know they had a fax machine in 1990 and they were just fucked. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I would think so. Google's again. It's terrible we don't know. How could we know? How would we know? We were what? In ni- we were a four. Five. 1943. What? No. That is that is like a telegram. Like when was the modern day fax machine invented? I was going to say sometime around in the 80s. 1843? No. 1964. Okay, that makes much more sense. What we consider the most recognizable, but it was actually invented in 1843. Huh. Concept. It's been an electric printing telegraph. Huh. Did it tell you, like, when they became popular? Because I feel like every That's house... Right. Next question. I feel like... Late 70s. Okay, so where's the fax machine? Why a messenger? Just because you can? Because you can afford to send a messenger? You do? Uh... Make sure it's hand-delivered. Okay. So she reads all that hand-delivered materials. And she also reads, like, the baby books and shit, too. Like, they're all sentimental and vague, but, you know, it's fun for her. She wants to tell the family, but, you know, she wants... She can't. It's too soon. Her and Beatrice have been speaking, like, every other day. But she's going to keep the secret. They, like, walk on the beach. They shop, buy little things for the house. And it's, like, a place to play after all the seriousness of First Street. This one's, like, fun. Whatever they want. They dine in all the fine restaurants. They take drives out into the woods and explore all the big resorts. We used to do that. Remember when we used to drive through all the look at all the big mansions on the golf courses? Mm -hmm. That was fun. But mostly they're just happy in this house in Florida with the endless sea in front of them. 
Michael's all anxious about his business, though. He's having to handle all the shit over the phone. And, of course, there's still, like, painting and stuff going on in, at the house on First Street. They're still doing Julian's room and roof repairs. And then there's that word again. What was, how, do, how was it pronounced? Garconier? Garconier? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't remember already. <laughs> Begun, the French building yeah. that is a bachelor's pad? Bachelor pad. Wing. It, that's still being renovated. And it's it, here's where they call it an excellent caretaker's cottage. They figured. So that's what they're going to make it. A cottage for the caretaker. <laughs> um, <clears throat> do you know who is who else is called the caretaker? No. The doctor. <laughs> the doctor is the caretaker. And now, in my mind, these universes are crossed. And the doctor spends a week at the Mayfair house. Oh, my God. Maybe he goes there throughout time. Maybe he's there. Maybe the doctor visits each Mayfair witch. All 13 of them. Maybe Aaron is a Time Lord. <laughs> That's a stretch. Uh, is it? <laughs> I don't know. This is me in my head, okay? Thank you for keeping up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Her brain. The caretaker's cottage where the doctor lives. Oh! <gasps> The elevator, it's just a TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Are you sure there's no Daleks? Daleks? Daleks. Daleks. But anyways, Michael's like not himself because he wants to get back to the shit. He's done with the honeymoon. Especially honeymoon is like being extended day after day by day by Rowan. She don't want to go home. But he's like super agreeable and he does what she wants. And he makes the most of everything. He's like um content by nature. As a person. That's why like this new uh, brought on anxiety with all his shit is like so terrible for him because he's not used to it. And she realizes this. She recognizes that. Also, meanwhile, Aunt Viv is doing just fine back in New Orleans. Lily and Bee are taking her out. She's cool. Michael is all like, she sounds so much younger when I talk to her. She's like joined some garden club and some committee to protect oak trees. She's having fun. <laughs> <laughs> so Ambiv is doing fine. Michael is like so loving and under he's so understanding. Even when Rowan doesn't want to go back for Thanksgiving. He just gives in. So like they skip Thanksgiving. They just stay in Florida. All the way through November. Jeez. At least you know something's up. Aunt Viv goes to dinner with B. Everybody's like, oh, we forgive the wedding couple for staying on their honeymoon. 
They have their own little Thanksgiving where there's a big storm that hits Destin. Where the wind shakes the glass, the power goes out, and it's utterly divine in natural darkness. And they sat for hours by the fire talking about little Chris. She capitalizes little when they talk about little Chris, like little's his first name. That's even weird. That is weird. In the Maker Medical Center. And they spend every morning with the baby. And she's not going to let anything interfere with it. And, you know, they talk about all that. And they thank God. And she's all, thank God he didn't ask, like, directly if she'd seen that thing. Because she's keeping it a secret. Locked inside. A little compartment in her mind. The weather gets colder. She knows they gotta go back. She's all like, why am I not telling Michael? Why am I not telling Aaron? The longer she stays here, the more she starts to understand the conflict and her reason is that she wants to talk to this being. She's heard his voice and she wants to know him. It's exactly what Michael predicted that first night when that awful woman died. She's all, what is Lasher? Where did he come from? What secrets lay beyond this flawless, tragic face? What would Lasher say about the doorway and the 13 witches? She wants to know. All she has to do is call him. Keep the secret and say his name. She's like, oh, but you are a witch. To herself, and she feels guilty. She's like, they all knew it that when she spoke to Gifford at that time, all weird, when her speech came out all weird, at the garden party. She's like, the old man Fielding, he was right. And Aaron knows, doesn't he? Of course he knows. Everybody but Michael. Michael's so easy to deceive. She's like, maybe I'm searching for courage. Maybe she's resisting. Maybe she's, like, making the demon thing wait the way she, he made her wait. Whatever the case, she no longer felt that aversion or dislike which followed the incident on the plane. Like, that feeling's gone. She still feels anger, but the curiosity and the ever-increasing attraction were greater. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> That's where that part of that section ends. And there's two more small sections before the end of this chapter. It was the first really cold day when Michael came out on the beach and sat down beside her and told her he had to go back. He's like, look, this is what's going down. Aunt Viv wants her shit from San Francisco you know how old people are, and there's nobody else that can do it, and I gotta go close up Liberty Street, and blah, 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 my accountant called, and with, he goes on. He's needed in New Orleans with his new business and all that. He's like, I'd rather do it sooner than later, and you know, Rowan, Christmas is coming, you realize that. She's like, sure, I understand, we'll go back tonight. 
She's like, you don't have to. You can stay here if you want. She's like, no, I'll come with you. She's going to come home and pack. Besides, it's time to leave. It's warm now, but it was real chilly this morning. It's cold. Even there. Like, almost December. Yeah. It's cold as fuck here, also. It's really not. It's going to get so much colder, but it feels cold. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, no, I'll come with you. It's time. She's still, she says it's still not as cold as any day back in California. And he's like, I have to tell you something. It's going to get even colder, a lot colder. It's going to be a bad winter all over the southern states. So now Michael's also the weatherman. <laughs> but he loves it. The first, you know, he the first frost on the windows. She's all like, I know what you mean. And I love you. I love you more than anyone ever loved. She thinks that in her head. So she's sitting there on the sand before they're about to leave. She like touches the sand and she's like, yeah, this is real. So real. And everything is too neat. And they have to leave now. And he would go off to San Francisco and she'd be alone at First Street. Like somebody had arranged things. And all this time, she thought she'd been calling the shots. She whispers, don't overreach, my friend. Don't hurt my love, or I'll never forgive you. See that he comes back to me safe and sound. Then there's one more little break in the chapter. And the last part of it starts. They didn't leave till the following morning. As they drove away, she felt the tiniest stab of excitement. In a flash, she pictured his face again in the dark kitchen. She hears the soft, reticent flow of his words. Can't bear to think of that part. Only after Michael had arrived safely in California. Only when she was alone in that house. Dot, dot, dot. And that is where chapter 41 ends. What a honeymoon. Mm-hmm. How fun. Yay. What, two months? <laughs> yeah. Well, a month. Just one. Because when did they get married? I thought it was in September. No, it was like November 1st. A month. Okay. Past Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's like it's almost December. So, yeah. Um, in Florida. They just sat on the beach, did research, did planning. I'm sure there was lots of sex in there too, but she kind of left that all out for once. Um, Rowan still isn't telling Michael shit about anything. Yeah, she keeps thinking about him too, Flasher. Uh-huh. She's seen him on the beach. So it doesn't matter if she's at First Street or not. He came to Florida too. Time to go back. Sounds like Michael's going to leave her alone. He's going to go back to California to wrap shit up, pack shit up. And she's going to be alone at First Street House. Yep. To confront him. Pregnant. I don't know why she waited till she was more pregnant. I That don't... She's afraid. Pushing it off. Yeah. I guess she needed time to like wrap her head around shit. That makes sense. That was chapter 41.
listeners, if you have anything you'd like to add about this chapter or about this book or anything else, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on the Twitter at MayfairCast. We're on Instagram. You can email us at themayfairwitchcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us in all the places. Um, Ratings and reviews would be much appreciated. We thank you all so much for listening. Until next time. Yes. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.